Father, Lord, again, we, we thank you for today, Father, Lord. Thank you, Father, Lord, how you speak to us through your word, Father, Lord. Thank you how you want to bless your people, Father, Lord. I pray that you guide us even today as we dig deeper to Pastor Ryan, to your word, as we close Genesis, of what it looks like to be blessed by you for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jorge. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, a little sleepy this morning? That's all right. Get going. I know what that's like. Well, yeah, as Dwayne was just saying today, this is a great this is a great morning for us as we get to wrap up our study of the book of Genesis. And uh, it's been great. We started in September of 2020. It seems like, you know, eons ago, but COVID was still happening then. So, I mean, you know, it's a long, long time ago. Um, but it is, this, this series of messages has deepened me in a way that, uh, that no other series that we've ever done in this church or other churches that I've been a part of over the years has deepened me. And I think I, think I, have, I, think I have in the past just, just seen like Jesus kind of bolted on in the Old Testament. But when we have studied the book of Genesis, he is prominent. He is prominent on every single page. It is all pointing to him. And that's just what has been deepening me, and I know several of you have kind of said the same thing, that, that this study, uh, this, this series of messages has really taught you to, to value the Old Testament more deeply, and that is a huge win, as every pastor wants to hear that, so that's really, really great news. Uh, so last week, we talked about um, Jacob. We talked about how Jacob was um, really wrestling with God, coming into Egypt, and, and we really looked at his, um, his posture toward the Lord through the Lord's redemption of him. And we, and we said at best, Jacob was, 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 a, was a cynical person because he hears the best news in the world about his son Joseph being alive. And his first thought is, I, I don't believe it. It can't be true. And, we, and we, what we talked about last week was how that is a struggle for each and every one of us, that we are all cynical in nature. We hear good news and we don't believe it. Well, I had, I had this fella, he happens to be sitting on the front row today, he said, hey, what am I supposed to do with that, right? John Velzma, anyway. So, John, this sermon's for you, all right, and for everybody else, for the rest of us. What do you do with the cynical heart? What are we supposed to do other than confess it, acknowledge it? What are we supposed to do? Well, I've, I've seen this, this theme in the book of Genesis that I want to wrap up. There's a lot of different angles we could take over the last four chapters of Genesis, three and a half chapters but I want to talk about this theme that we see threaded throughout the entire book of Genesis, the theme of blessing. I've never heard a sermon preached on this before, so here's my first go at it here. But we see this link between the first pages of Genesis and the last pages of Genesis where God is blessing his people and then his people are blessing one another when they're at their best. In our, in our natural worldly state, what we, what we do because of sin is we extend the curse in the world. Um, but in, in our regenerated, spirit-filled state, as Christians, we're called to extend blessing in the world. So my heart for us today is this, is that New City Church would, would learn to reclaim the art of blessing one another with our lives because we have been found and blessed by our Father in heaven. That's my heart. That's the whole thing I want us to go after today. You know, there's this amazing, there's amazing line in a, in a Christmas hymn uh, called Joy to the World. And it's this line that, that gets me every, every time that we sing it every year. And it says this, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, 
far as the curse is found. Seems like a fitting big idea for us today. So here's our big idea as we lean into this text together. Jesus has come to bless the world as far as the curse is found. So if you're a note taker or, you know, kind of a, you need those mental pictures of, of kind of what this, the, the structure, what we're going to be talking about today, here's the framework. It's, it's really kind of three, three pieces here. The first one is this, is that God has always desired to bless us. I know it doesn't feel like that for you, maybe today, um, maybe ever it doesn't feel like that, that it's such an uphill climb in this world that it's tough sledding. But God's desire has always been to bless his people. The second thing is this, is that the curse of sin has robbed the world of the blessing of God. And thirdly, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of sin to make us a blessing to the world. So let's dig into that first point here. God has always desired to bless us. So what is a blessing? Well, it's not, it's not uh, it, it may or may not be that little thing that your grandma says to you when you come over for, you know, fried chicken on Sunday afternoon when she says, well, bless your heart, sweetie. Maybe it's that, maybe it's not. I think a blessing is this. A blessing is a pronouncement of the favor of God upon someone's life. It's a, it's, it, is a, it is a verbal pronouncement of the favor of God or the grace of God, we could say, upon someone's life. God delights in you. He does. He delights in you. He is full of joy when he thinks about you. He cannot wait to show himself to you. That's what blessing means from God. He is holding nothing back from you, really, except for his wrath, right? He is holding nothing back from you. Remember what we said in the book of Genesis, in the garden, God basically just said yes, capital Y-E-S, all over the garden. There was this one thing that he said no to. God delights in you. Listen to his first words to Adam and Eve. I bet you don't know what they are. Listen to his first words. So God created man in his own image because he loves us so much, he made us to look like him. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God, what did he do? Bless them. Y'all, we're going to have to participate this morning. Dwayne tried to get y'all going. This is going to have to work out. God blessed them. And God said to them, go and be fruitful. Go and multiply. Go and fill the earth and subdue it because you're made in my image. You have that kind of dominion over the fish and over the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, yes! And he's always been saying yes to us because he blesses his people. God loves to bless us. You know, it was much easier for mankind to receive blessing from God, favor from God, grace from God in the garden because the the curse wasn't constantly trying to rob us of the blessing of God. It was far easier for Adam and Eve to receive it, far more difficult for us, right? It's difficult to receive this blessing is because the the enemy, literally one of his names is the accuser of the brethren, right? What he is trying to do is accuse you and rob the blessing of God from your life. In each and every turn that we take in this world, whether we have the spirit of God living in us or not, he is trying to steal the delight of God from your heart. Now, the Lord has designed to love us. The way in which God receives most glory 
in us is through bestowing his love on us and then us in return living our lives in such a way that we bless his name. He's eager for the blessing not to just come to us but flow from us to the world and also flow to him in praise. Yet sometimes because we no longer dwell in the, the Garden of Eden, which, you know, this was the this only blessing to find that relationship, right? We dare, because of this, because it's so difficult, we dare to even believe that this is the design of God. Some of you walked in here this morning, and this is the farthest thing from your mind. You came in here thinking about all of your shame, all of your sin, and how you can hide from it, and how the un, unbearable weight is just burdening your soul. That is not God's design for your life in this world, okay? So, so if it feels like it's off, it is off. God's design for you is to bless you, all right? And so when you think about your father in heaven and his natural disposition toward you, when you woke up this morning and God looked at you, what was his first thought? If you're in Christ, it is, it is the same thought that he boomed from heaven for, for Jesus. This is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm what? Well pleased. Friend, you are well pleasing if you were in Jesus Christ this morning. Amen? That's amazing news. I don't care how asleep you are, somebody's going to wake you up. That is amazing news. You are well pleasing to your Father in heaven because Christ lives in you and God designed you to be well pleasing and you are in Christ. Now, the problem is, is that this curse of sin is trying to steal the blessing of God from our hearts, from our lives, and from our hands each and every day. So that's our second thing we're getting into here. I promise I'm going to hit Genesis in a minute too. But, you know, God's, God's desire to, to, um, to bless us, he blessed us in such a way that we have this thing called a free will, um, which is this ability to choose the Lord, to choose righteousness. And because of his design in blessing us, you and I always act out of our nature, okay? So, so anytime that you do something that, that you wish you wouldn't have done, uh, and you say, man, I didn't really mean to do that, you really did, okay? You just didn't mean to get caught. Um, we always act out of our nature, right? And this is why behavior modification is such a lie, right? just trying to look the part with your heart being really far from God. God knows that about you, and God desires to bless you. So what God does in Jesus is he gives us this new nature, right? This new nature that is a spirit-infused nature that is, that, is, that is not just riddled with the curse, right? It's not just all curse, but it's, it's, it's the blessed life in this cursed world. So it's not the same as it was in the Garden of Eden, Right, because because we have this we have this ability now to choose righteousness where they didn't they I mean they could have lived in a sinless world but that wasn't God's design for creation, so so what the 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 thing is now though is that because of this the sovereignty of God meaning this that God is in control in everything in your life that there is nothing in your life that God is not in control of because because of that because of the design of the sovereignty of God He's in control and the free will of man. Um, we, 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 living out of the blessing is complicated for believers, right? It is, it is complicated. Um, but the thing I want to say is this, is that, that the sovereignty of God and the, the free will choice of mankind, these are two things that are not at odds with each other. Now, I'm not going to lie to you and say they're easy to explain because they're not. I'll go to my grave trying to figure that out. But they're not at odds with each other. 
Because sin entered the world through our first parents' disobedience in that garden, and the curse came with it, the curse to all of mankind, the Lord and his justice had to administer this curse in the place of blessing. And, and in the Bible, if you look in the Old Testament especially, it, it, there is a framework of blessing and curse that just goes, it vacillates back and forth between God's people. Um, and so certainly this curse came to the serpent in the garden. The curse came to him to such a degree that there is no longer an opportunity for him to ever be blessed again. No chance. No opportunity. So he spends his time in misery trying to make us live out of that same curse, trying to make us project that same curse to the world. But for image bearers, and you can read all about this in Genesis 3, but for image bearers, God has given us a promise, even back in that garden in Genesis 3, that we have the opportunity to be blessed even in the land of curse. But it would be because God himself would send that blessing from heaven to us. He would send himself from heaven, his very heart, his very nature, to make us once again children of God by faith. Um, and this is ultimately why Jesus comes. So faith in Jesus changes our nature from the cursed, sinful nature, not meaning that we don't sin anymore, but it's, not, it's that we don't always and only sin, right? So that we can obey. Now, it's a process for us, but God is in his children bestowing blessing in the land of curse. And you can hear this from the big picture. Paul, Paul obviously thought of this from Romans chapter 8, which is arguably like the most magnificent chapter in the Bible. He says this about this curse that you and I live under, this curse of sin, which ultimately leads to death, right? That's the, that's the, that's the, the final fulfillment of the curse is death. He says this about the land, the, this, this land of curse that we live in with these hearts of faith. He says, for the creation was subjected so that's kind of that dominion language that we heard from Genesis 1, to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that creation, image bearers and all of creation, right, itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption. Each and every one of us experienced that right there, bondage to corruption. It's bad, right? We, we feel that. But he has made us to obtain the freedom of the glory. And the, 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 I think the, the biggest thing you got to understand here is that the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The way that we experience redemption in the land of the curse is through our identity being restored as children of God. Our adoption is what gives us power to bless in this world. And it is the greatest way that the Lord has shown us that his blessing is on our lives is through adopting us as sons and daughters. He goes on to say this, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Can keep going here, yeah. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, image bearers. And we have the first fruits of the spirit. We groan inwardly, right? Because we, li we live in the land of the curse with the spirit of God inside of us. As we eagerly, Wait for adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. Now, the, 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 the book of Galatians, or it's, it's either Romans 8 or Galatians 3 and 4 that talk about this idea of the spirit of adoption that God's given us, right? And it's this idea that the Holy Spirit has made us alive in such a way that even though we're not fully and finally adopted into the kingdom of, of God because we still have these sinful bodies, that we are on a trajectory that way. 
And we live out of that well-pleasing, booming voice from heaven that says, this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I'm well-pleased. Our identity in Christ as children of God is the only thing that gives us hope that we're blessed and that we can be a blessing in this world. All right, so back to Genesis now. So that's the big picture, right? That's the big picture of, of curse and blessing in God's design. So how does this wrap into Genesis here? So here's what's happening at this point in Genesis. Jacob, who is Isaac's son, and Joseph are followers of the one true God, right? They're followers of Yahweh. They look forward to Jesus. We look back to Jesus, same Jesus. The Holy Spirit is alive in each of them because they belong to God, and all who belong to God have the Spirit of God living inside of them. It's the only way to be eternally with God forever. Um, And so God has promised God has given them the promised covenant, right? The covenant with Abraham and the spirit of that promise is reviving them, bringing them to life. We looked at that last week with Jacob. And Jacob and Joseph and all of, all of Joseph's brothers are now in Egypt. Their whole clan is in Egypt. There's about 70 of them we looked at last week. And things are getting worse because the famine is getting worse and it's getting more severe. But what this leads to, um, the, the family of God is actually greater and greater wealth. It's crazy. People get more and more hungry. They tax the land. They take the land. Uh, J- Joseph, on behalf of Pharaoh, and, and, fa- and the family just gets richer and richer and richer in the midst of this devastating time in world history. And so, and so Jacob, so God is blessing their family in this kind of strange and bizarre way. Jacob is on death's doorstep, and he finally gets a chance to know Joseph's sons. Now, Joseph was like Jacob's favorite son in the world, and it, it caused a lot of problems, but there's no denying it. He loved Joseph more than all the rest of the boys. And Joseph has, he has these grandsons, these half Egyptian grandsons, Manasseh and Ephraim, that he doesn't even know because Joseph was gone for so long and he married this Egyptian woman and, and he doesn't even know them. And so all of J- chapter 48 in Genesis is all about Jacob getting to know his grandsons. And, and what, what he does is, is this kind of crazy thing is he actually adopts, because it's, the, it's the kind of the... The, the greatest way to, to, to show a blessing is through adoption, right? He says he, he adopts Ephraim and Manasseh as sons. And that, so when you look at the 12 tribes of Israel, you see Ephraim and Manasseh in there, right? It's crazy. And so, and so and what that means is that they have a, basically Joseph's family has a, a one-sixth of all of the, the, the promised land when, when the land of Canaan is going to be dispersed. So he gets a double blessing in this kind of strange way. And so Ephraim and Manasseh are blessed. Uh, Jacob is just uh, delighted to get to know his grandsons. Chapter 49, you see uh, Jacob go on to bless his biological sons, to, to speak this, this, this future goodness into their life. Um, and in that, he gives a greater blessing to, to Judah, who is the, who's the fourthborn, but is the chosen line that Jesus will come through, right? Um, and, and, and to Joseph. And so th- those are the kind of the two that are highlighted, but he blesses all of his boys. Uh, and, and the thing that I want you to see uh, is this thread through it, that, that God starts uh, the world by blessing his image bearers, speaking grace, speaking love, speaking hope, speaking delight into their life, and then giving them responsibility with that kind of life, right? Have dominion over all the earth. He starts creation this way, and because of his grace, he continues to bless his chosen people, even though the curse is in the mix now. Um. The nation of Israel is going to be blessed, and not only that, they're going to bless one another, and they're going to bless the entire world. After all, that was the promise to Abraham, wasn't it? You're going to be a blessing 
not just to one another, not just to, you know, the Israelites, but I'm going to bless the whole world through this promise. That's the amazing thing. So here's, here's how Genesis 50, which is arguably one of the most popular verses in all of Genesis, here's how this is possible. It's because Jacob, I'm sorry, Joseph is no longer living out of the curse. He's living out of the delight, the blessing, the favor of God. And here's, here's, what, here's how the, all this wraps up. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, Jacob, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all that evil that we did to them to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father, they're they're being deceitful here, your father gave this command before he died. Say say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. I mean, come on. You think he'd for one second believe that? Anyway, and so uh, they say now, you know, please forgive the transgression of the servant of God, your father. And Joseph, he weeps when, when they spoke to him. And I don't think he weeps because of what they wrote. I, I, think, I think Joseph weeps because it's obvious that his brothers have so little depth of the blessing and grace of God in their lives. They might have it, but it's such a small degree that they're still going about these old worldly ways. Joseph weeps, and here's what he says. It's interesting. He says, am I in the place of God? You don't have to be afraid. As for you, yeah, you meant evil against me. This is the really popular verse. But God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you. I'll provide for your little ones. Thus he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. He blessed them. They were afraid that he was going to curse them, but he blessed them. Joseph's brothers are still not reconciled with Joseph when this happens. Isn't that crazy? After all this has happened, they still have not owned their sin. They just own the consequences of their sin. They're still not reconciled. Yet Joseph has forgiven them in his own heart. It's clear. He forgave them before they ever showed up in Egypt. And and it's enabled him to serve and to love them. Uh, You know, and it reminds us that reconciliation is a two-way street. Joseph had done his work. He had done his work long before they got into Joseph. His heart was in a settled place. He had to figure out how to re-engage with his brothers, and there were a series of tests that we looked at to see if it was a safe place for him. But he had done his work, and the, the, the brothers ultimately waited for some time to do their work, didn't they? And when they were willing to, you know, it was even motivated out of fear. So, how, here's, my, here's my question, though. How is Joseph able to speak blessing instead of curse to his brothers? How, I love that verse. He, he comforted them, and he, he saw that their hearts were distressed because they were afraid that he was going to kill them. And instead of tightening the screws on them, he continues to bless them, to extend the grace of God to their troubled hearts. And he speaks kindly to them. How was he able to do that? Which well, because he understands that he's not in the place of God. You remember how he answered? It's because the Lord has blessed him. The only way that, and I know it sounds trite, you know, blessed to be a blessing, you know, whatever. But it's true, right? There is a responsibility that God blessing us comes with. It means that we are most naturally called to bless one another. And so we see that happening in Joseph's life that he speaks kindly to his brothers. 
And for you and I, here's the truth. There's never been a day when God wasn't blessing our lives. There's never been a day where God has given us what we deserve. There's never been a day like that for us. And because of that, you and I are called to bless one another and speak kindly to one another. But how? How will we do that? Here's our third point here is that that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of sin to make us a blessing to the world. I think this is the linchpin. This is the power of of how we are able to to extend kind of what Joseph did with his brothers to the world. Um, Because we will will always be guessing about the blessing of God in our life and speaking kind of empty southern cliche phrases to one another without the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross and the resurrection are the proof of blessing in my life and the power to bless one another in this world. Listen to what Galatians 3 says. It's so clear that Paul is thinking about this whole blessing and curse kind of language here. Galatians 3 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Friend, it is done. If you're in Christ, it is done. The the ultimate effects of Genesis 3 curse on the world that will lead you to eternal death, it it has been paid. It is finished. It's past tense. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And how did he do this? By becoming a curse for us. Jesus became cursed for me and for you. Do you know what it means to be cursed? It means to be separated from the Father in heaven forever. Jesus became cursed for us. He became a curse for us. That's why there were those three lonely days and Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it was because his father really forsook him. He was really separated from his father in heaven. And it's because of his perfect life and innocent death that he raises from the dead and leaves the curse in the grave, amen? That's what he does for his people. Because the... the, 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 the context of this, of the crucifixion, is that people believe that, that people that were hung on a tree were cursed. So you ever wonder why Jesus hung on a cross? To fully communicate that he was taking the curse for us. You know, maybe if it was in a different context, maybe he would have died in a different way. But it was believed in this time that everyone who hung on a tree was cursed. And so Jesus took the tree for us so that And this is the beautiful piece of Genesis. In Christ, the blessing, is our key word, of Abraham for God to bless the world through his family might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Who's he talking to here? He's he's talking to us. Yeah, we're Gentiles. He's talking to this Gentile church in Galatia, the region of Galatia. And he's saying, guys, Jesus did it for you. He had you in mind all along. What he promised to Abraham is yours. He's hooking us into the promise. He would say in Galatians, I think it's 3.30, that if you're in Christ, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is our promise, church. This belongs to us. So faith in Jesus means we believe that God had to curse the world and creation because of sin. It had to happen. But because of his deep desire to bless us, He sent his son in our place to take on the ultimate curse. Now, Jesus didn't come and see the cursed world and just say, hey, wow, that's bad. Good luck, guys. Right? He didn't do that. He didn't do that. If if he did that, we could be guessing still. We could just be wandering around trying to figure out what it means to live a blessed life in this world. 
But he, he, he offered full payment, full absorption of the curse for his children. Even though we have the effects of sin, effects of the curse around us, it's not our identity anymore. We're fully restored as children of God. We have a spirit in us that's leading to our full adoption as sons and daughters of God. He said, I'm going to come and absorb that curse. I'm going to remove it. And because Jesus has absorbed the curse and then overcame the effects of the curse, death itself, the blessing of God's favor on our life is secure forever. Death can no longer take it away because Jesus can't be crucified and resurrected again. He stands to live forever, and he lives on our behalf forever and puts his life in us through the Spirit. The reality is, because of this, the church now gets to live in the blessing and also project the blessing in the world. Yet the interesting thing is, is when's the last time you blessed someone with your words? It's so hard, isn't it? We live in this cynical land, John, you're not alone. And we, we project curse on people. It is the most natural thing to do. But God's spirit inside of us gives us the ability to not lean into that, to speak life, to speak blessing in people's lives. So what does it mean to bless someone? This is, this is an amazing quote, all right? You're gonna wanna look this up. I'm gonna show it to you. You can take a screenshot or whatever. Da- Here's what Dallas Willard says about blessing. He says that blessing someone is the projection of good into the life of another person. I know for some of you Presbyterians, that seems really mystical. I promise it's not. Let me work, work with me here. It's not just words, but it's actually putting forth of your will for the good of another person. It's actually sitting with someone long enough to speak the words of life to their soul in a situation where they can't see it themselves maybe. And it always involves God blessing someone because when you will the good of another person, you realize only God is capable of bringing that about, that it takes the Holy Spirit, the power of transformation to make that thing happen. So the the design of the Lord is that we speak blessing. We speak life into the land of death, the land of curse. And this is not just for unbelievers. We call that evangelism, right? In, in essence, isn't that what evangelism is? It's speaking life, a projection of the good things that the Lord could do if the Spirit comes alive inside of a person, to another person. We don't evangelize because we don't bless one another. So how are we going to bless the world with the good news when we don't do it for each other? It's a huge problem in the church. And our, I think our church is great at it, actually. But it's a huge problem. That's why evangelism is so tough. It's so much easier to be cynical to speak curse than life. Speaking blessing over one another, is a, it's a biblical pattern, though. I mean, if you think about it, the New Testament, it, it ends the priesthood of the Levites, right? The, the, the Aaronic priesthood, that's no longer in effect. But the benediction remains, right? It's now called the priesthood of all believers, and we're called to bless one another with our words. But the church must be so intentional to speak blessing over one another. And as those who are to receive that blessing, we must slow down long enough to receive it by faith. This is what we're trying to do as a church. I think think if we could slow down long enough to apply the gospel to one another's life, man, this would be the most amazing church on the face of the planet. It is so hard to slow down long enough to speak the gospel of life to one another, to bless one another 
with our words. And this is why some of us, have, we've never had someone do that with us. And we've never really done that with others. The gospel, after all, is what? What is it? It's good news. It's good news, right? It's good news to be shared with your neighbor. It's good news to be shared with your children. Not just for their conversion, but for their sanctification, for their joy in life. It's good news to be spoken with your neighbor. It's good news to be spoken to your wife or your husband. It's good news to be spoken to your roommate. It's good news to be shared. You know, Jesus, he knew how hard it would be for us to to, to get this. Jesus knew how hard it would be for us as these harassed and helpless sheep to see life in this world as a blessing. So how do I know this? And Jorge kind of started us out on this track this morning, but in, in like the one and only sermon that Jesus preaches the way that I'm doing right now, this kind of monolithic monologue kind of sermon, um, <clears throat> the first, you know what the first thing that he says in that sermon is? I'm gonna show you. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter five, verses one and two. So Jesus sees the crowds on this Galilean hillside, right, right beside the Sea of Galilee. He sees the crowds, and he takes his disciples, the, the 12 of them, or I don't know how many of them are with him. Maybe it's more than that. And he, he pulls them aside. He says, hey, guys, let me, let me share something with you. And then he proceeds to share with them the sermon on the mount, this amazing sermon. And the first thing that he wants to say is he wants to tie in to that Genesis uh, 1 design of God to bless the world, to that, you know, to that, to that Genesis a 15 recovery of God blessing the world, even in the land of the curse through Abraham. That, that, that Galatians chapter 3 recovery of that blessing now coming to us through Jesus. He wants to tie into that. And he says, hey guys, let me tell you what that blessing feels like in real time in a cursed world, okay? Because it's, it's kind of different than you think that it's going to be. So seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and he sat down. His disciples come to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them. Well, what did he say? Blessed, there's our word, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, he's saying, do you feel weak? Do you feel helpless? Do you feel like you're never going to overcome sin? Do you feel like you're just sliding uphill all the time in life? Do you feel weak? He says, you're primed to feel the presence of the Lord as a blessing. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. You're going to get there, buddy. Second thing, he says, blessed are those who mourn. Jorge talked about this. For they shall be comforted. Comfort is what we're all after, isn't it? It's an idol for most of us. And we're tempted to think that the, the things that sadden our hearts, that lead us to grief, that lead us to mourning, are opposed to the comfort that we desire. Because we live in a cursed world, we're going to mourn if we're living honestly, Right? We're going to feel pain. He says it's not ultimate. You are going to receive comfort. You're going to receive it now through the Holy Spirit, but you're going to receive it in eternity when you're with your Father in heaven forever. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do you feel like, you, you know, you're just uh, kind of forgotten, kind of hidden, kind of behind the scenes, kind of have meek means quiet strength. Maybe you, you feel just a little, like you're not really making an impact with your life. He says, listen, you're going to receive the greatest inheritance of all time. You're going you're to inherit the earth. 
It's all yours because it all belongs to your Father in heaven. So you're free to stay in that lane that God has called you to because he sees you. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Do you look at your spiritual journey and you just think, man, I just have so far to go. Like, like you look ahead and, like, and you look in the rearview mirror and you feel like you just got going and you're 50 years into this thing, right? Maybe that's you this morning. He says, the hunger and thirst for righteousness that's in you and the lack of it that you sense, it's not a problem to God. It's good to be hungry. It's good to be thirsty for more of the Lord. Because you are going to be satisfied. He is going to meet your every need. He is going to fully transform you into the perfect image of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. He's going to do the work. So don't be, don't be tempted to believe that God is not blessing you as you wrestle with your sin and you see how far you have to go. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So as you feel that deep sense of empathy and care for others, as you sit with them in that, longing to receive mercy from God in your own life, the Lord is going to do those things. When Jesus looked at Jerusalem before he took on the cross, he wept because he had a heart of mercy. That heart of mercy that extends through us is not weakness. It's not weakness. It's the face of God to one another. Blessed are the pure in heart, he says, for they shall see God. Blessed are the, the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who persecute you for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evil curse, right, against you falsely. He says, on my account, because He's the one that absorbs the curse, right? He says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That doesn't feel like hashtag blessed, does it? It doesn't feel that way. Jesus knew that we would wrestle with this. Jesus desires for us to feel and believe that we are blessed because we are his and the only way the world changes is through us sharing the blessed nature of who God is to us through the world. So I'll close with this. How many times in your life has someone spoke kind of really a strategic and pointed blessing over your life? Maybe if you're married, it happened when you got married. Um, maybe um, it happened at your baptism. Um, how many times has someone spoken, you know, this it's kind of sit down, look you in the eyes, settle down, not hurried, blessing of the good of God's word into your life when you couldn't see it. How many times has that happened for you? I would venture to say that you might be able to count it on one hand. I don't think this is God's design for his people. It's easy to speak the curse over one another but it takes the Holy Spirit alive in your soul to speak blessing over one another's life. I have this friend named Jeff. He's preached here a few times in our early days, and I've told you about him on many occasions. I could, if I could describe Jeff's ministry to me in one word, it would be this word, blessing. 
And not just because I feel better when I, you know, like, like when you go with a counselor and you're like, you feel better after you leave. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm, he has spoken things into my life that I, that I didn't think were, were possible. He, he, has, he has spoken truths about who God is that have taken shape in my life that they didn't exist before. And it was because he sat down with me long enough, no, spending time with the Lord himself and speaking that into my life. What if our discipleship groups looked like this in this church? Where we didn't just study God's word and it went in one ear and out the other, but we sat in it long enough to apply it to one another's life. And we spoke it to the unbelief in one another's hearts. What would that look like in a church family? It'd be incredible, wouldn't it? I know it's happening, but I long for it. I long for it. Blessing one another means that we have to live connected to Jesus in such a way that we slow down long enough to speak it into one another's lives. In our family, you know, on our, we have this board of this little cool wooden thing that has our family values in it. And the one with, um, the one with like the biggest words on it is receive grace. It sounds like a weird family value, isn't it? Do you know why we put that in there? Because it's so hard to receive grace. And it empowers every other behavior that's on that board that we long for, long to see in our family. It's so hard to receive grace. To sit still long enough to be blessed by Jesus. It's also one of the biggest challenges in blessing others because blessing requires space. Blessing requires time, two of which the enemy steals from us every single day. He robs us of those. Space and time is what it takes for his people. And when we've been blessed by his word, we've been blessed by his life, and the hope that we have in the gospel, we choose to speak blessing into the lives of one another. Jesus, when he left the world, he left the world the same way his father spoke the world into existence. He said this in Luke 24. I'm, I'm laying the plane, I promise. He led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, Jesus left the world like this, blessing his disciples. Yeah, he ascended. Like this, he blessed them, and he parted for them, was carried up into heaven. And what did his people do? Well, they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. What if this could be us? Husbands blessing wives. Older women blessing younger women. Fathers blessing children. Friends taking time out of their day to bless one another. What's keeping you from that today? What's keeping you from slowing down long enough to speak the gospel into one another's lives? Whatever it is, ask Jesus to help you deal with that because you were blessed by the Lord to bless one another. Let's pray together. Father, um, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the book of Genesis. Lord, I would have never imagined the treasure that we found there. Lord, I ask that, um, that we would know as a people today that, uh, that because we're made in your image, that you have done everything necessary to restore and magnify the blessing of belonging to you in our lives. Father, help us to ruthlessly eliminate the things that keep us from receiving blessing from you which are also the things that keep us from blessing one another, Lord.
speaking good into one another's lives. It's always been your heart for us, Lord. And so, Father, help us acknowledge and confess the ways that the curse has shaped our fellowship with one another, making us cynical, making us hard-hearted, making us hurried. Lord, meet with us this morning and bless us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Pastor Ryan here. We're so glad that you've tuned in with us and watched one of our online sermons. Our vision as a church is to live as the family of God together, proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel of grace to one another in our city. If you don't have a church home or you're looking for a church, we'd invite you to attend one of our in-person worship gatherings so you can experience all that God has for us as a community of believers on mission.